Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. Thanks very much for joining us today from wherever you might be listening. Uh, today's podcast is going to be all about uh, battery degradation uh, and a few other sort of interconnected things. And basically, this is because we've uh, we had several requests from listeners who've been really interested in uh, battery degradation and also state of health and what that means and how it works. Uh, one listener in particular, Mike, thank you uh, very much for the question. Um, Mike specifically wanted to know if there was anything that he could do uh, to minimise degradation in his new electric vehicle. Um, and as, as it happens, this ties in perfectly with an episode we've been planning for a while, um, specifically looking into into these kind of things. So, so it's perfect. So, thanks for the questions, and um, and 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 here's our podcast. So, first of all, it's probably helpful um, really to understand what we mean by degradation in in an electric vehicle battery, and then also the mechanisms behind this. So, how it happens. As we know, um, EV battery packs are made up of hundreds of lithium battery cells. Uh, we did a podcast on cell technology a while back, and we'll put that uh, we'll put a link to that below in the uh, in the notes. But when an EV is built, uh, it's got a nice new shiny battery pack, and it has a certain capacity, and that capacity to store electrical charge. But in use, over time, this capacity is slowly reduced, and this is called degradation. In the uh, electric vehicle world, it's generally considered that when a battery reaches 80% of its original capacity, it's then no good for use. So uh, in, in a vehicle which has a 40 kilowatt hour battery pack as new, that would mean degradation down to 32 kilowatt hours of capacity, and then it would be considered to be no use. Um, that's quite extreme degradation. Uh, you know, so th it's not that that's what they all do, but it's just basically when EV uh, manufacturers talk about the battery being no good anymore, it's not that it's completely no good. It's that it's down to 80% of its original capacity. Okay, it's helpful to remember a kilowatt hour is a unit of energy of storage, and it equates it equates to one kilowatt of power for a period of one hour. So uh, it's always a little bit hard to get your head around this concept, I think, but basically means a 40 kilowatt hour battery will take 5.7 hours to fully charge from a seven kilowatt charger. So just to get it again, so if you're charging up a 40 kilowatt hour battery and you're feeding charge into it at the rate of seven kilowatts, it'll take 5.7 hours to fully fill that battery. Slightly confusingly, BMW still express their battery capacity in terms of amp hours um, it's basically the same unit of measure as a kilowatt hour except to get from amp hours to kilowatt hours you have to multiply the amp hour value by the voltage of the battery pack because kilowatts equals volts times amps i think bmw preferred using the amp hour measure because actually the voltage level of the battery changes depending on its state of charge so normally you use a sort of average uh, mean voltage value for the pack um, when you're calculating the kilowatt hour value and you know it's kind of technically it is more correct to use amp hour value but 
it's a it, it can be a little bit confusing and i think if people are using different measurements then um it, it, it's difficult to get your head around but again it's the same principle um exactly the same principle it's the same unit of measure it's just divided by the pack voltage so so kilowatt hours talking about an, a unit of energy storage whereas um kilowatts is power okay so kilowatts is power so um a motor will be 100 kilowatts power um so it's important to get those the right way around your kilowatt hours and your kilowatts okay so many EVs report a battery state of health parameter. Um, we've had some people asking what this means, what, what's that all about? So basically the state of health parameter, it's calculated by the BMS comparing the actual amount of electrical charge required to move the battery from one point on its charge curve to another versus the amount it would have taken when the battery was new. So is effectively state of health is a measure of degradation of the battery um, and, and essentially this all comes back to the fact that lithium cells they have this s type charge curve so when a, there's not a linear relationship between the voltage of the cell and how much it's charged um, as there are with some batteries it's an s curve um, so what you have to do is measure, if you're measuring the voltage of the cell, you have to know what that relates to in terms of a point on its charge-discharge profile. Um, so there's a little bit more to it than there is with some other battery uh, technologies. So this state of health parameter is basically saying, okay, so how degraded is my battery pack? Um, how much is it taking me to move up the charge curve at this particular point in time? There will be things that affect that um, state of health parameter, which is, is why they change. So some people have noticed, for instance, if they rapid charge their cars, they get a different state of health measurement. So if they don't rapid charge, um, if it's a hot day, if it's a cold day. So, I mean, it's fair to say that um, it's a dynamic measurement. It's based on um, on measurements from the pack um, compared to an original lookup table. So there's obviously there are some inaccuracies in the measurements. So it's not like completely, totally 100%. It is more of, I would say, an indication um, of state of health rather than an absolute, uh, an absolute parameter. Um, so so how do we do uh, how do we do these measurements? Well, what we're doing is we uh, very accurately measure the current flowing in and out of the battery pack um, and we use a technique called coulomb counting so basically we know if we know the voltage and we know the current flowing into the pack very accurately can measure um, how much electrical charge is going into the pack and then the reverse of that when it comes out we can measure it as well so we know how much is coming out and that means um, we can compare that to the original values of the battery pack um, and, and we would know at a particular state of charge of the battery to get from state of charge X to state of charge Y, um, it should require a particular amount of current flowing for a certain amount of time. Um, and obviously we can compare the actuals to what we think that should be. Um, so so that is that is how you get back to that state of health measurement of the pack. Um, one thing to bear in mind is that the gradual uh, the reduction in capacity over time is is actually it's it's like one of the key design considerations with EV battery systems. There's been an absolutely massive amount of investment gone into making sure that, that it doesn't happen too quickly. There's several different mechanisms that cause degradation inside the cell. And this can be things such as lithium plating, uh, dendrite formation, uh, growth in the solid electrolyte layer, and also car carbon stripping and copper stripping. 
Um, these these mechanisms are all d due to the electrochemistry inside the battery, um, and basically what happens is they result in the loss of active material. So as as the um, batteries charge and discharge, you've got electrochemical reactions going on, and over time it just means that there's less active material inside the battery. Um, so the key question is what can happen to accelerate um, or in fact decelerate these degradation mechanisms. Um, so in, in all EVs, and again we talked about this already in a past podcast and we'll, we'll put a note to that below, um, we have a battery management system and the battery management system is there to protect the battery and really make sure it can't be damaged. Um, for example, if the BMS it detects that the battery temperature is getting too high, it will restrict the rate at which it's possible to charge the battery. And th that's what's behind the charger gate um, issue, as it was reported a while ago with Nissan Leafs. So basically, the BMS was saying, well, the battery pack's too hot. I'm going to derate the charge rate um, that I'm going to let the car um, accept charge at to make sure the batteries don't get too hot and get permanently damaged. Okay, so the BMS is looking at a lot of different parameters inside the battery pack, including temperature, and it's checking to make sure everything's okay, and then it will manage the acceptable rate that you can charge or discharge the battery. Um, the, the other classic one that you see a lot is people who are driving Teslas really hard, and, and that starts to derate the car. So if the Tesla battery starts to overheat, the Tesla BMS instructs the car to reduce the amount of power it's allowed to take out of the battery. So you get a warning and, and basically it reduces the amount of power that uh, the car can deliver. So typically people go flat out on the autobahn and then they get the warning and the car gradually slows down. Uh, and the car is doing that to protect the battery to make sure that it's not permanently damaged. One thing to remember that's really important with the battery is when you're charging or discharging the battery, it, it will cause the battery to heat up. And obviously it's a very low charge or discharge rate. You won't really notice that because any heat will be very quickly dissipated to the surroundings. But if, you, if you're charging or discharging it really hard, you're flowing a lot of current through the battery pack. And because of then the current flow and the internal impedance of the battery and the bus bars and the other parts of the system, you get a lot of ohmic heating, uh, which is the current squared times the resistance. So when the battery's hot, we really want to manage that. We want to make sure it doesn't get too hot. So, But essentially, the mechanism that's causing it to heat is high amounts of current flowing in and out of the battery pack. So the BMS will be monitoring the battery uh, temperature, and, and it'll see this happening. And then in order to ensure the battery isn't damaged, it'll then slow the charge rate until the temperature is dropped to an acceptable uh, level again. So if it's a, if it's a really hot day outside, um, the ability to get heat out of the battery pack will be reduced. And that basically means that it'll be easier for the battery to approach the upper limit of what the BMS has been, been programmed to see as a sort of safe top operating temperature. Um, so if it's a really hot day, the car's going to get struggle to get heat out of the battery unless it's got a refrigerant-based uh, cooling system. So, uh, you, you know, you'll see, you'll see charge rates restricted if there's really high ambient temperatures. Um, lots of, of cars now also have refrigerant have refrigerant cooling systems or active liquid cooling systems, you know. And the refrigerant based ones typically are using the vehicle's um, air conditioning refrigeration system to subcool the coolant. So that actually means that on a even on a hot day, we are using more energy to cool the battery pack, but actually we're able to cool the battery pack to uh, uh, a much lower temperature than we could if we didn't 
utilize that refrigerant system and actually what that means is that then the ambient temperature doesn't affect the charge rate or the power rating what will happen though is that comes at a cost of energy and, and a cost of a much more complex system so we need to operate that refrigeration system to keep the battery um, sub-cooled and that has an energy penalty so you might see the, uh, the range of the vehicle exponentially reduce if you were driving particularly hard in high ambient temperatures and you'd also see effectively see the charge time of the vehicle extended and that's because the battery were being charged up but you'd actually be also using energy um, to operate the refrigerant system to cool the battery whilst it was being charged up at a very high charge rate in a high ambient temperature um, so you'd, you'd be immediately sort of bleeding energy off to operate that cooling system so so that, that that's what happens so, and that's why active uh, refrigeration based cooling is used plain old liquid cooling is also quite good you are limited then in terms of how much heat you can get out in high ambient temperatures a bit of a, a lower power consumption than a, a full-on refrigeration system so lots of vehicles have just uh, liquid cooling systems again but ba basically you know in most cases what the bms is doing it's, it's really working to ensure there's no excessive damage caused to the battery pack um, it does have an operating window though in which it'll allow the pack to operate so um, what that means is there's a temperature range in which it's basically been decided that it's safe to charge or discharge that battery pack without causing excessive damage to the pack but um, what you will have is that towards the top end of that operating temperature range you will actually see uh, more accelerated degradation in the battery pack than if it was operating um, perfectly in the median position um, in the average position in that uh, temperature range so basically there, there are some steps that you can take to maximize battery life um, and, and prevent degradation um, so degradation mechanisms we already talked about but they, these basically all typically happen uh, much more readily at high temperatures so therefore rapid charging and really hard driving that are going to result in a hot battery pack a raised battery pack temperature due to the high current flows are going to cause accelerated degradation compared to if you are always basically driving your vehicle perfectly normally and um, and you're charging it from a low uh, low power charging source um, if, if your EV does have a sub-cooling system with refrigeration, then it shouldn't make all that much difference. But if it's got either um, a passive system on the battery, so no liquid cooling or just a regular liquid cooled system, it will make a difference. Um, it'll be a fairly small difference, so it's arguable if you'd actually ever really notice this in the life of the vehicle um, in terms of accelerating the rate or not. Um, but it, it will make a difference. Um, and you, what you have to bear in mind is when the manufacturers are designing these packs, there's so much R&D and effort and money gone into making sure that that pack has got an acceptable life that, um, you know, you'd have to be like continuously hitting it really hard with fast charging and hard driving to make a, make a significant uh, difference to the performance of the vehicle. Uh, but I would say, you know, if it was me, if there was an option, I would basically try and slow charge overnight um, when ambient temperatures are good. Uh, so you don't have to worry too much about high ambience. And, um, you know, and, and you basically can take advantage of using that relatively slow charge rate um, rather than banging it on a hard charge, fast charge all the time during the day. Um, one, one other thing as well is degradation also occurs more readily at uh, absolute top end state of charge and bottom end state of charge. So, again, keeping your pack in the sort of median state of charge is uh, is, is recommended. 
think the impact of this is fairly small. With some of the older Nissan Leafs, they used to suggest that you didn't always keep it 100% topped up. So what basically what they'd observe was people like continuously plugging in to to, uh, to charge. So like you drive the car for two miles, you plug it in, you top it up. You drive the car for another two miles, you plug it in again, you top it up. And basically what they were saying was don't do that. You don't need to do that. Use the capacity of the battery pack. It's better to have the battery pack slightly discharged and that is to have it sitting there full all the time. But again, it, it doesn't make a massive difference. And to be honest, I think using some of the other features like um, preconditioning the car, um, so having the car, like if it's cold weather, having the car plugged in and using the preconditioning features to precondition the car to uh, warm up the interior and the battery pack probably have more of a benefit um, for you than uh, basically trying to meticulously keep the battery at 75% uh, state of charge level. So, you know, it's just sort of be be pragmatic, be practical. You don't need to continuously keep it topped up to 100%, but I don't really think there's much wrong with um, having it plugged in and, and using that, um, using that, those features to basically make sure that you get the battery and the car up to temperature before you get in it. To be honest, it's one of the, the big benefits of EV ownership, in my opinion, is that you can um, precondition the car, you can warm it up um, without having the engine running normally at the push of a button or using an app on a phone or something like that or even you, sometimes you can program it to do it automatically at certain times in the morning and and that that gives a massive uh, benefit to the owner it's much more comfortable um i find i don't actually have an ice scraper in my car anymore i can't remember uh, the last time i scraped the ice on my car uh it's very very long time ago although i do uh sometimes scrape the white uh, scrape the ice off on my uh, on my on my wife's car um, so, uh, yeah, using those preconditionings is probably uh, better than trying to avoid having it plugged in um, to not have it at maximum state of charge. Um, one big thing, there's, there's a lot of talk about degradation, um, and, and we, we certainly get asked lots of questions about it. Um, so people are obviously really interested in what's going on there. But in general, what manufacturers are finding is that in practice, um, the battery system degradation is much lower than was originally predicted. Um, so that's, I think, due to the actual kind of real-world vehicle use being easier on the battery than all of the kind of modelling and the predictions that were done before the cars were launched. Very transient, kind of stop-start driving in real-world traffic with low, you know, fairly low acceleration rates, you know, cars not being fully laden with, you know, five passengers all the time. Um, low average speeds in cities, which is where EVs are tending to be, be more widely used. Um, you know, it gives gives a battery, gives a drive ch- train the opportunity to be thermally stable, uh, gives it opportunity to cool down. Um, I think the relatively sort of infrequent use of fast chargers as well, because of the convenience of simply plugging in overnight, means people are not tending to, not actually tending to do that. So this sort of concept of like continuously fast charging your car, people don't actually really do that. A lot of early adopters of EVs have got off street parking, they've got access to. Um, three seven kilowatt charge points either for overnight or at work charging and they're making use of that so we're not kind of getting on to the um, on onto fast chargers and things and that funnily enough has actually created some issues in that um, a lot of manufacturers were thinking they were going to have a lot of batteries coming out of uh, EVs in service and they uh, basically found markets and applications for those batteries because obviously if battery gets down to 80% capacity uh, it's no use in your EV because you're not, ca- you know, it's too much weight to carry around. Uh, you want a battery that's got full capacity, but it's still got 80% usable capacity. So that that would be a good battery to use in other applications. And and ma- a lot of manufacturers have developed 
programs to reuse those batteries in stationary storage and things like that. But then they just essentially simply have found that they're not getting enough um, batteries coming out of service because the batteries are lasting much better than was was ever um, expected. So um, it's kind of it's a, it's a really good thing if you're a consumer of a vehicle, but it's um, it's created a sort of other issue in in terms of there's a, a problem that was thought was going to exist where a great solution had been developed for it that then turns out it doesn't really exist as a problem um, at the moment. Although that might change as you know if EV adopt. EVs move away from the early adopters who've got the off-street parking and become more widespread and maybe you might see more fast charging of certain cars and things like that. So there's a few other myths around EV batteries connected to temperature, which I think can be explained by some of what I've mentioned already, but I'll just sort of just touch on those a little bit more. So in, in low temperatures, when you're driving your EV and it's cold, okay, some people say that battery has less capacity when it's cold, okay? That's not true, okay? When you're driving an EV when it's cold, you get less range on the car, um, but the battery's still got the same capacity. But, you know, it seems obvious when you say it, but I guess missed, is that you need some energy to provide heat for the occupants, and that uses energy from the battery, so you end up with less driving range. But there's still the same amount of energy in the battery, it's just you're now using some of it to heat the car. Um, and, and keep the occupants comfortable. Obviously, if you've got a big internal combustion engine sitting at the front, you've got a lot of waste heat all the time. So having heat is generally not a problem with an internal combustion engine, but with an EV, you're taking, uh, you're taking energy out of the battery. Um, sometimes in very, very low temperatures, the battery cells themselves might need to be heated. So lithium batteries don't like to be charged when they're very cold, so like freezing or below freezing temperatures. So uh, sometimes a little bit of heat might be being put into the system to warm the, the lithium cells up, um, particularly if you're going to want to charge them at a fast rate. So that might mean it might take longer to charge the car because some of the energy going in is being used to warm up the battery system rather than just going in to charge a car. But again, it's no actual change in battery capacity. Um, in an IC, in an internal combustion engine vehicle, of course, the efficiency of that car is worse when the weather's cold. Um, because the engine's cold, it takes longer to get up to temperature, you know, but the advantage is when it gets up to temperature, there's always sufficient waste heat to keep the occupants of the car warm, even on the coldest of days. So, you know, that's a really important thing. I've heard a lot of people say about how the battery capacity changes with temperature and things like that. It doesn't. Battery capacity doesn't change with temperature, just what the energy in the battery is being used for uh, changes. The other thing is that at high ambient temperatures, Energy obviously is needed to operate the air conditioning system uh, to cool the cabin and the occupants. Um, and then also, um, you know, possibly the battery, depending on the vehicle, if it's got one of the refrigerant based um, battery cooling systems. Again, this is going to reduce the driving range of the vehicle, but it's not a change in capacity of the battery pack. If it's a high ambient temperature, uh, the energy is going to be used um, also during charging to cool the pack. And that's going to reduce the rate at which is possible to charge the battery pack up. So you might see an extended charging time if it was a really high ambient temperature. But that's likely to um, just be the, the energy going into uh, cooling the battery pack whilst it's being uh, whilst it's being charged. It may be um, it, it may be the BMS has throttled the charge rate if it sees the cell temperatures are getting too high. But again, it's, it's not a problem with the pack. This BMS is doing its job. It's protecting the pack. It's making sure that everything's okay. It's a cooling system doing its job, but that does require a little bit of energy. Um, and, you know, and in this way, I think it's not much different to a normal vehicle, an, an ICE vehicle, where it's going to use more fuel to drive the air conditioning system on hot days. 
So you you notice the fuel consumption changing on your internal combustion engine vehicle, but maybe maybe just not but not by quite as much um, as you would notice a difference. I think one of the other big things as well is in some of the early EVs into the market, they had relatively small battery packs. So if you look at something like the first gen Leafs with a 24 kilowatt hour pack, really, you know, if the heating system for the car was two kilowatt, that's a big percentage of the pack capacity. Um, you know, is going into the heating uh, system of the car. So remember, in terms of 40 kilowatt hours, so if you had a 2 kilowatt heater connected to that pack continuously, it's going to take you like 20 hours to fully discharge that pack. So it in, in terms of the overall power consumption of the vehicle, it's a big percentage of the of the energy that's stored in the pack is going on heating and refrigeration on newer um, EVs two things have happened really one is you've got a much bigger battery pack so as a percentage of the ba- the battery capacity it's a much smaller amount that's being used um, on heating and air conditioning the other thing that's happened as well is those heating and air conditioning systems have been made just that bit more efficient so they use less um, they less they use less power so the thermal management system is optimized better performing cooling pumps fans, more efficient refrigeration systems, etc. Um, so that's a big thing. It's one of the reasons why I think using the preconditioning really helps um, in extreme heat and extreme cold. And the other thing I would also say is if you want to if you want to sort of achieve a more consistent range battery range on your vehicle, like we don't really think about this much, but it kind of makes sense if you stand back and think about it. You know, let's um, minimize let's minimize the amount of solar gain on a hot day. So you know windscreen blinds would help that so getting one of those foil things to put in the windscreen to stop the car getting hot on a sunny day tinted glass also helps that um you know on on a very cold day you know parking the car in the garage if you've got one to um keep the car uh, at a more stable temperature overnight using that preconditioning um so that when the car is plugged in you're using that energy rather than the energy stored in the battery that's actually that's a much more effective way getting the car up to temperature in the morning without having a, a massive negative impact on the on the battery range so that's it that's um that's all we got time for today actually that's gone on a little bit longer than i expected so that's battery degradation so essentially in summary uh, battery degradation is much less than manufacturers were expecting it to be and that's essentially because evs in re- in the real world are not being used as aggressively um, as the test cycles that uh, people were, were sort of thinking about initially when the cars were being developed battery degradation is a massive topic and a, a huge huge amount of money has gone into making sure that it's absolutely minimized um, there are some things you could do uh, to sort of improve or around the edges you know avoiding fast charging on uh, really hot days, avoiding thrashing the car around. I mean, it's all kind of common sense stuff. You drive the car sensibly, um, charge it from a three to seven kilowatt post whenever you can. Um, you're gonna you're gonna help the car out. You're gonna help the battery out in the in the longer term. Um, so I hope you found that uh, useful and informative. Um, if you have any other questions or things you'd like us to answer, please uh, feel free to uh, pop us an email um, or leave us a note below. As asking us uh, asking us questions. Um, really hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, don't forget to leave us a rating um, or hit like, depending on which platform you're listening on. And of course, subscribe to our channel. Um, we try and do a podcast about once every week. Sometimes it's a little bit more often. Sometimes it's a little bit less often. We're always talking about quite techie stuff to do with electric vehicles and future transport systems and things like this. There's a lot more to come. Um, so uh, I hope you come back and, uh, and join us again soon.